welcome back to Why This Film, the podcast where we reach back into your childhood, pluck at a movie, give it a rewatch, and have a chat about it. I'm Emily Slade, and welcome back. You watched it so many times before, and now you're gonna watch it again. But it's been so many years since you last saw it, and now you show it to your friends, and they're like, What? What am I watching? Why? What? Why? Why this film? And I'm joined today by John. Hello. Hello. Lovely to be on your wonderful show. Oh, thank you. I'm very excited because your chosen movie is the 1978 film Watership Down, the IMDb breakdown. Hoping to escape destruction by human developers and save their community, a colony of rabbits led by Hazel and Fiverr seek out a safe place to set up a new warren. Why this film? Well, it's, it brings back happy memories of my childhood, but I, I love rabbits and I love the English countryside. So that's, that's the main reason that I love the film. And I, I read the, the novel um, as well, and that's brilliant. So I had to see the film when it came out. And uh, it's just, it's really, really, really gets you in the heart, you know, the, 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 the storyline and, and everything about it. And it's really sad at the end as well, the film. And, and it's quite brutal in many respects. It, you know, it's, it's quite a dark film. And it's also, I think, you know, because of the concerns now with the environment and that, back in the 70s, it spoke out against development and things like that, you know, because the rabbits were literally, you know, turfed out of their home by developers and you know a load of them were gassed and things like that so uh, and there's even a line in the film where the rabbit says you know man will never rest until he spoiled the earth so mm-hmm. so that 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 was important for me as well that environmental message but I just love it all and you know the the animation is really good it's very natural it's not like Disney I know yeah. I love Disney films you know the animation in Watership Down it's like a painting yeah and and the rabbits are, are so yeah, well, obviously, you know, they're, they're sort of like got human, uh, you know, they're human characters and that. But it's sort of I think anyone who watches it would come away from it feeling a bit more concerned about the environment and looking after the animals and things. So, you know, it's, oh, it's a great film. I've watched it loads of times. I can never, never watch it without crying at the end. I have to oh, say. my God. Like so bad. It's you're right. The animation style is so beautiful. You're right. It's very anti Disney in that respect where Disney's quite even though it it's beautiful it's quite cartoonish almost whereas this is very realistic it's very um like an oil painting of the countryside and certain things like all of the villains in the in the piece are um drawn in a way that's quite frightening so you've got the rabbits who are quite realistic and then at one point they see a, I think they call it um I don't know, they have strange names for things like a foofar or something, and it's a badger. A humbug for the fox. That's it, yeah. And it like sticks its head out of the undergrowth and it's a very real looking like badger with like blood dripping from its mouth. I know. And it's so good. So the animation style is gorgeous. Um, And then on top of that, you've got the the story, the very basic story of just like immigration, essentially. Like these rabbits Mm. just being turfed out of their home and being having to find a new place um and then the environmental message it's so brutally put across like it's there was a lot of uh, growing up in the 90s there was a lot of these sort of save the rainforest movies about like make sure yeah. you recycle and stuff like that and it was very sort of like oh i'm a fairy in a forest don't hurt the trees this has images of like 
four rabbits trapped in the edge of a burrow as it's being filled in and gassed and they like blood is streaming from their eyes it's very much like if you do this they will die a horrible death and Mm. the rabbit that survives captain holly that catches up with the group at one point is like ripped to shreds and it's just so i love how violent it is because you look at the dvd cover especially the re-release of the dvd cover And it's this very Disney-esque, like, oh, look, some rabbits on a field. It's called Watership Down. And then you watch it, and the first line the seagull says is piss off. And there's, like, blood. I know, I know. (laughs) It's so good. So um, the voice cast is incredible. The main character is Hazel, voiced by John Hurt, who is just phenomenal in every way. He always is good old John Hurt. And then you've got Richard Bryars as Fiverr. You've got Denham Elliott. You've got uh, Ralph Richardson. Uh, uh, who else? Joss Ackland. Michael Horden does an narration at the start. And uh, Hannah Gordon as Heisenflay is a strong female character. Because the thing that always surprised me, the, the original novel got criticised for not having strong females, which <laughs> I, I felt it did. But when when the film came along, Heisenflay... In, in the other Warren, which was called uh, Ephrafa, which was basically like a fascist dictatorship. There's a political subplot to this because you've got like the liberals in the three Warren and the fascists under General Woonworth, who's, uh, the, the, his voice is um, Harry Andrews, but she's the rebel. So she is a strong character and she, you know, she, so that, that's interesting as well. So that, that always, a bit, I, I knew girls that watched it and they, they identified with that character because she was basically, a, you know, very strong and she knew what she wanted and she was prepared to stand up for what she she believed in because she even confronts General Woonworth, doesn't she, and said, look, the system's breaking down, we can't have litters and we need them to move and, and he refuses and he says, have a watch, but she's obviously not going to give up, even though she says at one point to Bigwig, who's the a character from the other Warren, you know, my my spirit's really low, you know, but he says, no, you know, believe in what you believe in and we can we can get out. And it turns out she's psychic as well, like uh, uh, Fiverr as well, yeah. you know, the, the psychic rabbit. So I, I like that as well, the sort of supernatural touch to it. Yeah, it's so great. It's such a brilliant introduction to it as well. But no, yeah, just to stay on the character of Heisenflay, I really love her she's got such a cool design where it looks like if she was a human she'd be wearing a lot of like badass eyeliner and stuff yeah yeah Um, (laughs) and she is she is so strong but and she's also so like calm and collected in her rebellion um Mm. very sort of like yeah just very like contained and very like clever I really Mm. loved as well that there's no romantic aspects to anything so often when you have to inject a female character into an all boys group they end up hooking up with someone and she builds such a great bond with bigwig but it's never like it's because we fancy each other it's like no it's because we're escaping from this fascist dictatorship together to a free warren Yeah. yeah and it's so cool and like What's great is that obviously, inevitably, like they basically all end up with each other because they all need to breed like rabbits and have lots more rabbits. So like, you can't really put romance on something like that, which is quite nice. Um, And yeah, so Fiverr is psychic and this is introduced to us at the very beginning where he has a vision 
of the fields covered in blood. And then as the human, as the audience, we get to see a big old sign of like, oh, they're going to build flats on this yeah. land or whatever. Um, but thank God he does. It's very final destination where he's like, we need to leave. And only like five people are like, all right, I guess we'll leave. And everyone else is like, don't be silly, Fiverr. Um, I love the interactions with the rabbits, the way that they talk to each other, the way that they have these societies. And it goes much more into it in the book as well. I read the book after watching the movie. And um, mm. it was, I loved how he'd built this, it was very Tolkien-esque. He built this language and this mythology for these rabbits, mm. which they do go into in the film, which I'm so happy about. Um, because it's... In the prologue, isn't it? The, um, yeah. the, the stylized prologue, which is actually based on uh, Aboriginal arts. Uh, nice. That's where they got the idea from. And obviously Michael Horton plays Frith, who's the rabbit god, and it turns out that all the animals were equal once and they all let grass and the rabbits became a bit arrogant. So Thrift punished them and made some of the other animals have the desire to want and hunt and kill them. And as you said, it is, you know, it is a brutal film, but it, it doesn't shy away from what happens. I mean, um, you see, see Bigwig at one point in a snare and, yeah. uh, you know, it's so cruel, you know, and I'm glad they put that in. It upset a lot of people, but I thought, well, you know, snares are, are really bad. And at least it shows you how the animals suffer if they're caught in a snare. And I must say, when I was a kid and I used to go for walks in the field, if I ever found a snare, I destroyed it on the basis yeah. of what I'd seen in in, yeah. in the uh, the film. So I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that. But And even the original film poster had that image of um, Bigwig in the snare. It was all in black silhouette. But, you know, and it got criticised. You can't really tell it's a snare unless you look close up. But, you know, it's... Um, you know, it's, I, I just love every aspect of the film and, and the music as well is brilliant. The soundtrack um, it is so great. Angela Morley did the soundtrack. Uh, she got an Oscar nomination for the film The Slipper and the Rose. And uh, I've got the CD, actually, and I can just listen to that on its own. And of course, you, then you've got Bright Eyes, Art Garfunkel, written by Mike Batt, who was <laughs> in The Wombles. Do you remember? Remember, you're a Womble. <laughs> And I cry at that scene and all, because Hazel gets shot, doesn't he, when they're trying to rescue these pet rabbits. And, uh, and we and all again, think he's dead, like, and then the song kicks in. All of these different scenes that we're talking about are so stylized in their own way, and they're so distinct in my head. So the lead-up to Bigwig being caught in the snare is this brilliant, um, like, horror movie. It's so... It's so good. It's so creepy because it's quite episodic, the movie, uh, which is why we're jumping around a lot because it, um, we, we, we basically follow these, these, this group of rabbits in their little adventure on the way to get to what we know is called Watership Down, which is like a big tree on top of a hill and it's great. And so on their way to get there, they end up, bumping into lots of different characters and having almost mini adventures and one of them is that they find this really creepy warren that is literally straight out of a horror movie and it's filled with food and it's so they're so welcoming there's no there's no humans from what they can understand and the leader of this warren i don't know what his name is but he's so foppish and frightening and he does like little poetry readings um where he's like 
where are you going, stream? Like, I don't know, as a kid, I would yeah, always Far, like, far away. Take yeah. me with you, stream. Take me on your dark journey. Yeah. Take me with you. <laughs> and they're like, what the fuck? And Bigwig is obviously like, I'm out. Like, this is not on. This is weird. I don't like it. I'm leaving. Only to then, again, very frightening because the reason the rabbits are so subdued and weird is because they're in a mine pit, basically. They're, the whole fields are rigged with snares, so they're clearly used to, like, losing lots of their warren, but they live this nice edge where they get lots of food on the understanding that at any time they may die. And they seem to have made mm. this pact with that, and it's... It's, it's again, it's like you've got Ephrafa and you've got this Warren. It's the way they interact with humans. And then our rabbits are very much like, we don't want any interaction with humans. We want complete freedom and complete independence. Um, whereas this Warren seems to be like, the man is the strange God who takes our lives as and when he chooses, but we do get the nice food in in return. So it's really interesting. Um, off screen, Bigwig runs away and you get this horrible yelp and they come over the hill to find him and it's just froth and blood and flies and like he's like straining. I, yeah, I can't remember how I felt about it as a kid because there was so much uh, movies in the 90s when I was growing up about like look after the animals and we had the animals of Farthing Wood and it wasn't shocking per se because I, I'm so used to media telling me don't hurt animals basically. Mm -hmm. But I imagine in the 70s it was especially a cartoon for children when it's contemporary as like the Aristocats and the Jungle Book. I imagine it was quite shocking. It, it, it was very unusual that you didn't really see that. I mean, you had shows like Blue Peter and that and Animal Magic that would sort of talk about conservation, but you never got it in a cartoon and it was so hard hitting and it really sort of fueled my interest in protecting the environment as well, which is, a, as, as I said before, is another re reason why I love the film. But, you know, it just doesn't shy away from that horror, you know, the way mankind or humankind is, you know, destroying the environment and, you know, building housing estates. We don't care what's there before. You know, it could be a warren full of 100 rabbits. We just gas them. You know, if it's badgers, we'll turf them out. So, you know, I was pleased that it addressed that. You know, and I hope that lots of kids came away thinking like I did. You know, we need to do more to protect our wildlife. So, as I said, it's got a strong environmental message and it's a political message as well about oppression, keeping people down and freedom and that, which is more important than, than anything now, I feel, the way the world's gone. So um, no, it's just, it, it ticks all the boxes for me and, you know, the soundtrack and, and everything and, and the voice actors. And let's face it, anyone, any film that's got John Hurt in it is a winner as far as I'm Definitely. concerned. <laughs> and like to talk about another really stylized moment, we mentioned it briefly with the soundtrack. When Hazel, they've gone to this farm that they return to a couple times and we've got the wonderful characters of the cat and the dog, which we'll go into later. Tab, yeah, um, Tabitha. Fucking love Tabitha. I, will, I have a whole monologue about Tabitha. Um, and she, the farmers catch them and Hazel gets shot and the rabbits return to the warren and they're like, Hazel's dead. And Fiverr's like, no, he's not. Like, he's fine. And then we like trace our way back across the countryside to where hazel is um and as we're doing that art garfunkel like shows up with his guitar 
And it just, it's just such a haunting, peaceful melody about like death. And it's so intense, but so calm at the same time. It's a beautiful song. And we get this almost like trippy dance sequence where we're introduced quite early on to this idea of the um, the black rabbit. That in their mythology, when your time is up, you'll get a visit from the black rabbit. And we see the black rabbit for the first time here as he sort of dances with Hazel. Um, and it's very haunting and it's very memorable. Um, oh, it is. And it's a scene where he's under the pylon and it turns into sort of like trees waving around. And <sighs> it's very surreal. And because uh, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, my God, you know, Hazel's dead. You know, we, we've lost him. And then I thought, oh, thank God he's still alive. But it is a very surreal moment in the film. And it's the bit where the sun starts to bleed blood all over the field. Yeah, yeah it's, and, it's frightening. I mean, uh, it, it didn't, like I said, it didn't pre it didn't preach to kids in a way that it was sort of like lecturing them and like talking down to them, but it connected with kids in a way that I, I really like, and it still I does. To you know, kids who watch it now come away moved uh, by it. But I mean, the song was a number one hit in '79. Do you know, it was actually the biggest selling single of 1979 in the UK. Really, I love that. That happens so often with songs that were written for children's animated movies like all of the mm. biggest songs in the world were written as like credit numbers for a kids movie and people forget that i'm like this is why kids movies are important and i think you made such a good point where they do not talk down to you nowadays like especially in the sort of late 2000s when they really got a hand of like cgi and they could turn around films quite quickly for children they really got into a habit of making lazy just the scenes full of crap really talking down to children just like kids are dumb so they'll like this whereas watership down is like an adaptation of a novel it's very much that. Exactly. And I'm so happy it's animated because you couldn't do it live action. And I know the BBC did a version that was sort of CGI-ish uh, recently. I have not watched it. I did not care to because I knew that- It, it didn't work for me. I, I saw it. I just compared it to the original and um, perhaps on its own, it's okay. But compared to the original, it's it's not a patch on it. So I didn't even watch it to the end, to be quite frank. I was uh, yeah. very disappointed. You know, you, you can't remake a classic. You know, no, that's exactly. my attitude. Exactly. Just yeah. re-show them. Like, just show it on TV instead. Like especially if you're not gonna because what I missed from the book in the book they have this they sort of have him though it just they do adapt the books in such a good way because in the book there's a storyteller rabbit who sort of introduces the audience to the mythos and they do have him in the movie they just get him to like tell a story every now and then rather than be a constant run of like and this is where we got this word from um and they call their villains because obviously all the world's your enemy, prince of a thousand enemies. Um, so literally everything wants to eat the rabbit, everything. Um, whether it's the blood dripping badger, the terrifying fox, the dog in the woods. Um, the hawk. The hawk that takes Bluebell or Dandelion, whoever she is. It's like, Dandelion's gone. Yeah. And you're like, that's it. Dandelion's just dead now. Dandelion got eaten by a hawk. Anyway, carry on. And you're just like, fuck. 
And, uh, and it was the only female from the original Warren. So they, oh, what are we going to do now? We won't be able to reproduce and keep the Warren going, which led to obviously, you know, the adventures at Ephrathah and, and Nuthanger Farm. Incidentally, I should, I should add that Watership Down is a real place in Hampshire. And Nuthanger Farm is a real farm. All the locations in the film are based on real places in, on the Hampshire Downs. Oh, that's so... But there is a watership down. You can actually go up to that hill. I don't know if the tree's still there, uh, but you can go to watership down and look out across the fields as they did to, and then play the music in your head. <laughs> My God, that's so cool. Um, love all the stuff at Nuthanger Farm. Love that you don't ever really see the humans. They're always sort of Tom and Jerry-esque where you don't, they're sort of, they're very indistinct because the focus is on the rabbits. But that cat, I mean, whenever you go to a farm, there's always a villainous cat. But this one, <laughs> this one like taught me, I would go around and be like, because <laughs> um, he taunts it, he's like, can you run? I think not. And then he runs and the cat chases him. And then like half an hour later, the cat catches him. And it just the way that this voice actress is like pushing down on this rabbit that's twitching. And she's like, can you run? I think I think not. not. <laughs> I think not. And it's like pure villain. And then, of course, like the deus ex human comes out and it's really lovely as well because it's really humiliating for the cat to be like, tap, tap, let the rabbit go. And she's like, fucking, I was going to eat this rabbit. It's going to be so uh, sad. No, she looks really annoyed, doesn't she? Backs <laughs> off. It's like, if looks could kill, I'll tell you. I bet she... <laughs> so she's really great. I love her. She's such a minor character, but she was always so memorable to me with just the way that she spoke and the way that she moved. And again, it's all down to the animation and the voice acting. And then you've got the dog who is like the biggest plot point. He's like the holy grail of this movie. He is. He's a horrible dog. And like, I love dogs, especially animated dogs. But this, he was written to be a villain. Um, so he's a bit of a threat throughout the movie. And then right at the end, they get the idea to like... Uh, relay themselves to entice the dog up to watership down because they've gone to Ephrafa and there's been a whole thing that we'll talk about there and then General Woundwart's army descends on watership down to try and take back their troops and to kill Hazel, Fiverr and Bigwig basically and in order to combat them they they get the dog involved basically as like they weaponize the dog. It's genius. And it's so, again, so memorable and so fun when far, like they have like, Fiverr has one of his like little freak outs and they can just hear him under the soil. And he's like, there's a dog loose in the woods. There's, there's a, a dog, dog loose in the, in the woods. <laughs> and like the, soldiers are like there's a what oh god oh god there's a dog loose in the woods i don't think we should be here and he's like keep fighting and then of course the dog eventually turns up and he is frothing at the mouth and he is so vicious and scary and then general wound war is frothing at the mouth and he's vicious and scary and the two charge each other in slow motion and then it just fades out and the narrator is like no one knows what happened to General Woundward. And you're like, yeah. fuck, oh God. <laughs> so 
And then he also says it, it could be that he, he lived out his fierce life elsewhere. But from that moment on, mother rabbits would tell their kittens if they didn't do as they were told, the general would get them. Yeah, yeah. eat your soup or the general will get you. Like, which is... I mean, I mean that, that, that's, that scene, I mean... Um, I mean, it, it, it's really brutal. I mean, when the dog runs up to the top of the hill, I mean, he gets hold of the rabbits, he throws them into the air, there's blood everywhere. And and as you said, you know, they, they all, you know, General Woonworth hears this and he comes up and they're all running away and he says, dogs aren't dangerous. And then as he says it, the, the dog comes round, you know, with a dead rabbit, blood yeah. everywhere. And he, they just leap uh, on one another and I know General Woolworth was a terrible man or a terrible rabbit rather terrible leader but you got to give him his due he was brave he took that dog on yeah yeah he really did it's and that's what's most terrifying he doesn't do the classic like run away at the end and gets defeated like he dies fighting and that is so scary that that's what they were up against this whole time and they had to enlist a monster basically <laughs> to kill no, him because otherwise he never would have left them alone and I think that's what makes him such a good villain he's so he's um I mean he's basically Hitler rabbit isn't he and Hitler was frightening because he was so convinced of his own principles and ideals that he literally enforced them on the population in ways that were just monstrous and horrific and uh, you know obviously evil his principles were evil um and wound what's the same he's like i always hated it as a child when bigwig joins ephrafa um he goes undercover to sign up as a guard and without i hate things in movies where they they don't give you your consent and then they hurt you and they do it here this might be where my fear started actually because General Woundwort is like, we, you're one of us now, we'll give you a mark. And without anyone hesitating, the captain slices like three stripes into Bigwig's like leg. And that's, he just has that forever now. Like he's just scarred. Yeah, scarred. Scarred for like, life. That's so horrible. <laughs> like, I know, uh, that shocked me as a kid. Yeah, it really got to me as a kid. Like, there's so much gore and violence in this movie, but that, that unconsensual marking, again, it's reminiscent of, like, the Star of David in, like, World War II Germany, and, like, it just has so many connotations, and it's so violent and painful, and it's there forever now, and you're just like, these guys suck. I hate their warren. It's horrible. <laughs> I'll tell you a good story though um, it's, it's not featured in, in the film and I was really, I thought when General Woolworth's gone, what happens to the other Warren? Do they carry on with a dictatorship and apparently, because uh, it's years since I read, read the novel but what happens afterwards um, General Campion he's second in command, takes over and he liberalises the Warren and frees them all Oh, good. So he was basically only going along with wound work because I suppose he was scared. So, so they yeah. actually became three. It's a shame they never put that in, in the film because that always bothered me. You know, um, you know, that what happened to the other rabbits, you know? And yeah. uh, so they were three in the end. So they, they all ended up good. living happily ever after, I'm glad to say. I'm glad you said that because, yeah, I think I always in my head just projected like, they'll go get them. They'll go like get them and be like, do you want to come to our Warren and like live nicely? um 
because yeah Ephraim is horrific and we we get to find out what happened to the rabbits that we meet at the very beginning as well oh which again has just reminded me of another brilliant voiceover moment like this as a kid I really was into like sound bites from movies and I uh, took them into my own vocabulary and language and Watership Down was full of them whether it was the cat and then at the very beginning the chieftain of their original Warren Bigwig is part of the um oh god what is it Housem the like uh guard the the Owsler the Owsler they're their chief of police yeah yeah and um it's very small but the chief at one point Bigwig's trying to get away and the chief's like Bigwig Big wig. Big wig. <laughs> like, Ralph Richardson did that. Oh, it got me Great every actor. time. Brilliant I'd actor. be like, big wig. big wig. Like, it was just really funny to me, especially accompanied with the animation of this rabbit being like, shit. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. really what was great. that all about? Those two lunatics coming down <laughs> here. And see, so if he'd listened to him, he would have lived. But exactly. there you go. And Ralph Richardson. horrible because we got a. We just get a flashback when we meet Captain Holly and he's like, dead, they're all dead, they're all dead. And then we get horrible images of how they all died and you're like, God, <laughs> rabbit. I know, because uh, I, I didn't realise they were gassed, you see, and it was only afterwards when I did a little bit of research years later, I realised that, you know, sadly, when they, they dig out Warrens, they, I don't know if, I hope to God they don't do it anymore, but they actually used to gas rabbits. So that's what the hissing was. As a kid, I I didn't really understand that bit. Yeah. I just thought it was stylized yeah. and that. But, you know, what a terrible way to go. As you said earlier in, in the podcast, you know, you've got those horrific animations of the, of the rabbits, you know, all huddled together, you know, literally in agony as they die and, you know, all their eyes are bloodshot and it's, it's terrible. But, but there again, they needed that to teach yeah. kids, you know, what was happening because that was a great thing in the 70s with programmes and dramas. They, ne they never talked down to children. Yeah, they weren't. They, you know, treat, treated them children. with respect. It wasn't like, you know, let's wag our fingers and, you know, you've got a very, you know, it was, it was never like that. Even in Blue yeah. Peter and that, you had John Noakes and Peter Purvis and that, and they never talked down to the kids. They was like your big brother. Yeah. So that, that's that's what I don't like about the sort of, like you said, the modern ones. It's like it's sort of, you know, patronising the kids where Watership yeah. Down never was. And, and these other dramas that I used to watch along with Jason back in the 70s and that. Yeah, exactly. And my dad always talks about going to see Watership Down at the cinema and um, every mother in the vicinity suddenly going, What? Um, when Kiar turns up, who's the seagull oh, from yeah. France, swearing, <laughs> stuck in this hole, and they're trying to help him, and his first words are "piss off." <laughs> no, my dad says he remembers his mum being like, "Oh God, what is this movie? What have we done?" Um, my mum hated it. That film, yeah. absolutely hated it. Oh, she she yeah. could not get it. She did, but also I love with the, the seagull when he says, "I come from big water, big water." You silly bunnies. <laughs> silly bunny. I love it so much. Um, he's such a great character. He's so funny. Again, just the way they use the sound when he's like swallowing bugs and stuff and it's like that noise. Like, oh, yeah, gulping. <laughs> so visceral and so like memorable. Um, he's such a great character. Um so great. I mean, let's talk about the ending because 
Oh God, you had me crying. I'll tell you. Oh my God. So, so we, we, they've been, they've, 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 they've beaten off the attack. It's years later. Hazel is a very old rabbit, and he's he's grazing, and then the black rabbit appears in front of him, uh, voiced by Joss Ackland, and he says, "You've been feeling." And I'll, I'll, I'll well up in a minute, but he says, "You've been very feeling very tired and." Would you like to join my hours? So we'd love to have you. And he looks back at the, at the other rabbits. He said, don't worry about them. They'll be all right. And thousands like them. And, oh, God, he lays down. I tell you, as a child, I wet buckets in that cinema. Because his like, spirit comes out. I know it's a happy ending you know, because they, he is. goes to rabbit heaven. But he's it's in, so sad. And you think, oh, he's gone. And Oh, God, it's so sad. Like, it's, I'm really happy they put it in there. I'm, like, literally crying right now. I'm really yeah. happy they put it in there because it's so powerful and it's so nice to have his, like, ending. But it's so <laughs> sad. Oh, I mean, no. like lies down and like breathes in a couple of times and then he's just still and then the music comes back in and he dances off with the black rabbit and you're so right like it's meant to be really joyous and peaceful but for some reason you're just like you just showed the main character dying (laughs) i know john hurt's gone i thought god (laughs) i I, as i said i wet buckets and uh and because he's young again his spirit he's he's no longer old and and the last shot is they head into the sun isn't it and that's when the, the credits roll and so, but yeah, even even now, I watched it a couple of nights ago, and I welled up at the end. Um, but then again, I can never watch Titanic without crying at the end. So I'm a big softie, <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid. I'm I'm so bad. You and Jason both found my weak spots. Like I just need to think about those two specific scenes from the movies that you chose, and uh, you can see I'm physically crying now. Yeah. Even though yeah. the movie's not on, the music isn't playing. I'm just thinking about it, and I'm gone <laughs> because it's so <laughs> powerful and like what a treat like how good on those animators and the whole cast and crew of that movie to elicit such a response from a tiny moment like it's a tiny moment but every time it comes on I'm like oh no (laughs) Uh, I know I know Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful ending, though. What a way to end yeah. it! And and the film is very, very faithful to the novel, as I think you touched on before. They had to cut bits out, and some characters vanished. Like in the original novel, there was a mouse, which is a shame because I would have liked to have seen the mouse in the film. Yeah. But you know, they had to trim it back because obviously it's a ninety-minute film, and probably if they'd done the whole novel, it probably would have been about two hours or something. Yeah. But it's it's great they didn't tinker with the book too much and change it, and and as you say, introduce a love interest and. Yeah. you know water down a strong character you know yes let's do whatever you want you know and I'm glad they didn't do it so because as I said I, I knew girls who watched it at the time who identified with, with Hyatt and Flay and said yeah she's really strong I like her it's and so that was good so it wasn't just for the boys you know yeah but that's so interesting that you said that because my whole vibe is being annoyed at the lack of female representation in movies and saying things like, how am I meant to get on board with this if I don't have a stand-in character for me? Which is basically what your your friends were saying, that they really identified with Heisenflame. But with Watership Down, I never had it. I never complained about the lack of female characters. I never, because it was not about gender it never felt like it was about gender it was about these characters because there was no love interest because there was no stereotype it wasn't like I don't know what it was it was just a solid story about friendship 
And so I never minded that there weren't female characters. And actually, when it got to the BBC adaptation, uh, which I'm just going to check, yeah, there's like a hundred. So they there's like they've like introduced a bunch more female rabbits, um, which I remember seeing at the time on the cast list and being like why have you done that you've and like they've probably only done that to give them relationships and that's yeah. what annoys me like watership down didn't feel the need to introduce female characters because usually when you do you only do it to make them a girlfriend or a mother you never do it because you want to give them a cool character because if you were going to do that just cast one of the male rabbits as a woman um so I really always respected it in the sense that it was about these rabbits. They were friends. They needed to find a home. There was a rebel rabbit in one of the groups. She happened to be a woman. Same as like the, the ones in the Warren. And you know that they need to be women because the whole point is that they're trying to start their own community. It was never like, I fancy you. It was like, we need to breed to survive. And it, mm. it, you know, the feminist in me was always like, yeah, great. Like only have like two female characters. Like I don't care. Whereas usually I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you see that the, that the whole thing with that as well, it would have, if they, because the thing was they needed to find females to keep the Warren going. So if exactly. they brought a load of females from the first Warren, you wouldn't have had Ephrafa. You wouldn't have had Nuthanger Farm. Exactly. So you wouldn't have had that whole story arc. So, and it so wasn't you... because they wanted a girlfriend to go to prom. It was because they needed to breed to survive. And it makes They wanted the community difference. to keep going. That was yeah. the whole idea. And it's like you said, there was no never a love interest in it. You never had Hyacinth Lay say a big wig, well, I want to be your girlfriend. And yeah. can you look after me? And well, I'm going to go off with Fiverr and things like that. It was never mentioned. It was just, you know, we'll establish a community. We'll breed. So that generations from now we'll still be here and we've left a legacy. You know, like exactly. at the end when Hazel looks back and looks at the little kittens and that, you know, with their mothers and he says, don't worry about them. They're going to, you know, they'll be okay and thousands like them. And then that's when he makes a decision to, yeah. you know, move on to the next, you know, the afterlife. So, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to you know, again. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's what made the difference. But then at the same time, Heisenplay is such a great character and it's, like now as an adult looking at it and being sort of more obvious to the fact that she is a woman it's like yes what a great character it's like like princess leia without han solo which is like exactly mm. what we want um hannah gordon i think i mentioned before she did the voice great yeah. actress um i don't know if she's still alive actually but she was in loads of the you know look her up but very talented lady very talented oh good nice the elephant man made of honor yeah She's still yeah, alive, she she got to work with John Hurt again on the Elephant Man. She played the wife of Frederick Treves, which is which is another film I cry at the end. Yeah, uh, we, we have to talk you. about the Elephant Man at some point because that is another blub film for me. I cannot watch the end of that without crying when when John Hurt as the Elephant Man decides to sleep as a you know and removes a pillow and because it oh god oh god. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know like a lot of people attribute John Hurt to that. John Hurt's a really interesting one in terms of like you can usually pitch someone's age by what they know John Hurt from. And like you're mm. either Elephant Man, you, there's a weird spot where it's Lord of the Rings slash Watership Down, and then there's Alien. Oh, yeah, Alien <laughs> with a <the> chest. <laughs> I'm like Harry Potter, he is Ollivander, he gave Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
that's who he is for me. Um, and of course, as you know, Emily, I ended up sharing credits with him on the uh, Simon Marsden documentary, yes. which was still still one of the, the the highlights of my career so far. Because you know, when I was a little kid. And I always loved John Hurt. I saw him in the Sweeney, you know, the Elephant Man. If someone had said to me, oh, one day your name's going to be on the same credits as, as him, I would have, how's that going to happen? But it, it did. So it's still a surreal moment when I watched that. And it, I think, God, yeah, I'm, I'm credited in the same thing as John Hurt. And then I go, oh, my God. Yeah, it's so cool. It's so cool. Um, I, should, I should print screen that bit yeah, and, and frame it, you know, John Hurt, John West. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. I'm surprised you haven't already. That's definitely one for for the bathroom so all your guests can see it as well yeah um the like opening and closing monologue as we've briefly mentioned just to sort of tap into that quickly like is just one of my favorite bits of storytelling and narration the whole story of how the first rabbit got his long legs and big tail and like big ears and stuff and then the way they bring it back at the end and it's like, all the world will be your enemy, prince of a thousand enemies. And when they catch you, they will kill you. But first <laughs> they must catch you, runner, hider. Digger. Digger. <laughs> like, was it a prince with a swift warning. Was yeah. it something like that. And, and as I said before, Michael Horden cool. did the, the voice of Frith, the rabbit god. Yeah. Another wonderful actor. He he um he was a lot of people remember him as the voice of Paddington Bear in the BBC TV oh, series. Oh nice. I did recognise the name. Yeah, that's where I know him from. Great, yeah, great voice, great bit of narration. Like it's very Game of Thrones. It's very Tolkien. And I think that's really where my love of Watership Down comes from. It's epic. It looks like it's going to be a fluffy cartoon about rabbits for children. And it's this epic, hardcore world that's been built around this race of creatures that have their own religion and mythology and language and that's just so awesome like it's so awesome um that's, that's what i love about it that he gave he gave them all like you know and then even names for the animals you know like the fox was a homber to them and and uh, i can't remember what they called the badger in it but you know as you said that horrific yeah. scene where the badger pops out of the the undergrowth and it's obviously killed something we never talked about the other scene as well when uh, they're on the way to water ship down and they they spend a night in that old shed in the churchyard and those rats come out yeah and in the in the foreground Oh, and the owl is swooping down. I mean, that, that was a scary scene for me. And you think, my God, you know, because the rats are really portrayed horrifically, you know, and, and they appear in the foreground, you know. They're so frightening. Every one of their enemies is drawn in a way that's so terrifying. I've just looked it up. The badger is a lendry. <laughs> oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Something else I liked as well, and I think was a good, a good, a good move on the part of the filmmakers. They didn't give all the animals voices. I don't. The dog wouldn't have been as as nasty if it had spoken. It's like the rats. If they'd spoken, if the yeah. the owl and the hawk had spoken, that would have taken away their menace. Because that actually, in the whole film, apart from the rabbits, you only get the uh, the seagull and the cat that speak. Mm. And I, I think that works. And the cat needed to speak because it was mocking the rabbit. And obviously the seagull needed to communicate. But I think if the dog had spoken, it wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't have, have, have worked. That's such a good point. Like, that's really well spotted. It's like when in Disney's Aladdin, they were going to give Jafar a song. And then they didn't. And by doing so, I know he has a bit of a reprise at the end. 
but they made him more menacing by not letting him sing. Um, because when you sing, you, you, you like them more. And yeah, so by him not yeah. singing, he remains on this sort of moral villainous pedestal. And yeah, by having all of their um, Elil, I think they're called Elil, are the villains to the rabbits. Um, they, they're much more menacing because they're, they're a threat. They're a real um, foreign threat to the way of life of the rabbits. And it, it really is like mind blowing how many enemies they have. It's like fucking everything wants to hurt the rabbit. And that's so lovely then that you took it upon yourself to be like a rabbit savior and just like dig up a snare every time you saw one. Like that's so proactive. It's so cool. Like I reckon Richard Adams would be chuffed if like (laughs) he had that. Um, because you're right, it's so, there's so many themes to this movie as well. You can watch it on one level or you can look, there's probably millions of essays about like fascism and environmentalism and community and immigration and like all of these things that you can really read into it just from this charming little tale about rabbits. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, I know. I mean, it's like, um... It's uh, I, I liken it some the, the story to like it's been compared to Homer's Odyssey, you know what the ro- yeah. rabbits did. You know they went out on a quest, and you know they found they found their own homeland at, at the is, end. It you is know, a, it's that a, community. A, a Homeric quest, like you've got all the characters there. They don't quite turn into lions or visit the un- well. They do visit the underworld in theory. Like, they do if Hazel's little. Uh, montage, trippy montage is anything to believe. You can argue that he died and was resurrected and was sent. And that's so that I think that's why that adds to the ending because you know that Hazel has met the rabbit before. And I think they even. The Black Rabbit of Inlay, that was it, wasn't it? Yeah. What a great. Like, it sounds like Black Shuck. It sounds like something that a local pub owner would be like, look out for the Black Rabbit of Inlay. And you're like, uh, okay. no. <laughs> and, and I know he was obviously their, their sort of equivalent of the Grim Reaper. He, he there was he, you know, he wasn't that he didn't look too scary, did he? There was a sort no. of a sort of friendliness about him. He didn't look sort of horrific or anything. So when he came for for Hazel at the end, you know, you weren't, oh my God, what's this come? You know, you could, yeah, you could you emphasize with him. So, yeah. It was like he was opening his arms and like taking him with, I mean, ugh. Just the language that they use. I'm going to start crying again. As you said, where it's like, <laughs> come and join my Owsler. It's like, continue your good work in the afterlife, Hazel. <laughs> come yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Let's, Let's hope they're all up there. Fiverr and yeah. <laughs> Big Wig. Because and... <laughs> we never actually got to see them at the end, did we? We only yeah. ever saw Hazel. So we never found out what happened to the others, you know, I whether they were still alive or... The... Hazel blessed them all with immortality and they're still there on Watership Down <laughs> to this day. <laughs> well, out. as I said, you can go up there. You know, it's yeah. a real place. Uh, I, I, wouldn't it be great if you went up there and there's actually a rabbit warren oh there? <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't be able to keep it together. I think I would just cry and this rabbit would be looking at me like, what the hell is wrong with that <laughs> human? I'd be like, Fiverr, it's you. Um, and then, as I said, Nuthanger Farm is a real farm, so you could go there looking for Tab. <laughs> be like you little bitch you yeah she might come up and speak to you and say hello <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> that'd be amazing 
Um, but no, I mean, if you haven't watched Watership Down yet, what have you been doing? And like, don't watch any of the TV adaptations. There was a cartoon adaptation as well, which, um, fun story. My first ever interaction on the internet, um, there was like, a, as I say, a, a television cartoon version of Watership Down done before the 2018 one. Um, and I, there was a clip of it on YouTube of Pipkin saying something. And I was like, this isn't as good as the 1970s movie. So I commented on the video saying, this is rubbish, nowhere near as good <laughs> as the original movie. So this is, we're talking like the early 2000s, like early internet here. This is my very first interaction on the internet. And I got a direct message on YouTube of someone saying, if you don't have anything nice to say, please keep your opinion to yourself. Oh dear. <laughs> and that <laughs> shut me down at the age of like 13. I was off internet trolling and off sharing my opinion on the internet, like immediately because of my opinion of Watership Down. I was like, I've learned a valuable lesson here today. I will no longer do that. And then when you think of how people will in, in interact on the internet today it just makes me laugh that that was enough to oh, that, that was me. pretty harmless what you put yeah. some of the things people put today you mentioned Pipkin he was originally voiced by Roy Kinnear oh uh, you know that famous comic actor who was in yeah. oh god he was in the Beatles films uh you know he was in the, the Musketeers films and things like that so um from the chocolate factory is what I know him from yeah, yeah. I, I know him from the Beatles film as being a massive Beatles fan, but he was in, he was actually in Hard Day's Night and Help, so... Aww. Yeah, and his son went on to become an actor too. Aww. So there you That's go. Nice. But yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful film, Watership yeah. Down. Yeah, if, 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 if your viewers haven't, haven't um, seen it, they need to go out and uh, either rent it or buy it. And it's out on Blu-ray as well, and the, the Blu-ray print... Is brilliant. I've got the Blu-ray and it's crystal clear. Uh, I had it on video, video originally, and I wore it out watching it so many yeah, times. So I needed to upgrade TV. So <laughs> then I yeah. upgraded to like a four ninety nine DVD from Woolworths. <laughs> um, there you go. With a Blu-ray, only a couple of pound more, so you can nice. upgrade again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just keep upgrading. Amazing, and hopefully one day they'll do like an anniversary replay in cinemas because i really think that it's one that should be shown to all generations like with how important it is and how thoughtful it is and how good it is and i think it'd be good for children to be shown this sort of thing um at a young age because children aren't scared like they used to be uh, no one goes out of their way to make sure that children have nightmares like they did when we were kids anymore and i think it's an important rite of passage that they have horrible uh ptsd from some weird animation that they watched when they were like seven. <laughs> yeah, it was when it was released. It was a U, which was a fifteen. Um, right. It did upset a lot of parents at the time. I mean, my mum didn't like it at all. I think because of the blood and that. But yeah. like I said, it needed to be said, and it, exactly. it it got me into protecting the environment. And you know, as I said before, with the snares, if I saw a snare. I destroyed it. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm proud I did. And I'd do yeah. it now if I saw a snare because they're totally cruel. But I wouldn't have known that without watching the film. I would have left that snare there thinking, what's that? You know, yeah. someone's left a bit of wire there. So, um, yeah. so yes, yeah, so it, had a, it had a big impact on me. And uh, that impact has never left me. And, and yeah. you know, my love of the English countryside grew even more after seeing that, especially when I found out Watership Down was a real place. And I've never been there. I must go there sometime. We'll go. When lockdown's lifted, we'll, we'll do yeah. a new trip. 
Um, yeah, well, we'll go and look for Tab and the Warren and yeah. see if they're around. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to meet General Wormworth though. No, no, thank you. Um, no, yeah, it's so it's so good and like it's I'm so so happy that it's that it's set in our countryside and it's it's such good lessons. And did, did you know that he actually did a, a sequel to uh, Watership Down? I think it's called Tales from Watership Down. Oh. But I was always hoping that they were going to turn that into a film, but they never did. I think it came out in 1996. And it's it's just, you know, what happened to him after the fall of Ephrathur and, you know, when they, you know, became friends and Campion liberalised that dictatorship and that. Oh, my so, um, God. So I've never I've never read it actually. I must get it. I think it's you can still get it. But yeah, Tales from Watership Down. So it should be made into a sequel, I reckon. Jason can do animation. He can paint cells. He should. He should do that. I'll pull that to him actually. (laughs) You need a a voice actor. (laughs) Exactly. Well, you can be one of the rabbits for a start. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Oh, lovely. No, I'll check that out as well. Um, yay, thank you so much. Do you have anything that you'd like to plug? Anything that's coming out soon? Um, well, we got stuff with Jason um, coming out. Uh, we got a documentary on Colin Wilson, uh, who's a writer and philosopher. Check him out. He's done loads of books. Sadly, passed away a few years ago. Um, we got a documentary uh, coming out on Jack the Ripper, um, a, a suspect from America. I won't say too much, but there's, you know, that that's quite interesting. We've got the other film projects uh, coming up: Buer's Dragon, which um, you know is, uh, features Diane Keane. Uh, Toya Wilcox is going to be in it. This other name, which I'm not allowed to tell you about, <laughs> I would, but Jason said I can't because okay. we had to sign an agreement to say we can't say who it is. But if I said his name, you'd know immediately who he was. He's a very big name, very popular. I've got two books coming out as well this year. I'm very into ghosts. So I've got a book uh, coming out called Britain's Ghostly Heritage, uh, which is all ghost stories from the UK. And I've also got a book about the Battle of Gainsborough coming out, which was an English Civil War battle in Lincolnshire, because I used to live up there. And next year, I've got another ghost book coming out, which is going to be Britain's Haunted Land. And Jason designed the covers for him as well. So, so I've got all those. So I'm keeping busy. You know, I just want the lockdown to end. So we can go to Cornwall and film these scenes for the, the Colin Wilson and get these films going because yeah. the films that Jason's got in place, uh, it's unbelievable. You know, he's, he's, he can knock out a, a script in two weeks. You know, it's amazing. You know, with Buer's Dragon and that, I can't wait to be involved in that. And we've got Winifred Meeks coming out as well. I forgot to mention that. April the 27th in America and coming out over here in September. And that was entirely filmed in Suffolk, Dunwich, most of it. And it's a haunted house picture with Lara Belmont, who was in Rise of the Foot Soldier and the War Zone. Features a lady called Julie Abbott, who was a newcomer to acting. I'm in it playing the the landlord and Bill Fellows, who was in Alan Partridge, is in there, and all oh, there's loads, loads. So um, so um, so yeah. So I've got a, got a few little projects going on 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 you know writing and that. I write for magazines. I got an interview with Chris Jury in Suffolk and Norfolk Life uh, in the April issue. Chris Jury from Lovejoy. Nice, yeah. Awesome. Well, so much stuff to look forward to. You're very busy. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting about Watership Down. What a great movie. I've been so excited for someone to pick it. So thank you for bringing it. Oh, thanks. It's a pleasure being on your wonderful show and it's lovely to talk about it, even if I did get a bit emotional talking about the end. Uh, I got, like, I think I think I wouldn't trust you if you didn't get emotional talking about Hazel. Exactly. If we ever talk about the elephant man, that'll be another one that'll be crying at the end. And Titanic. 
Yeah. Oh dear, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time on Widest Film. Bye!